In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I bring you greetings from President Rast and the faculty and staff of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and also from the Reverend Dan McMiller and the staff of the Office of International Mission, where I also serve as half-time. The mission of the church is driven by grace, costly grace, the grace of the life of the Son of God in exchange for the life of the world. Grace is necessary because of sin, a virus that has infected all of humankind since the fall of Adam. Perhaps now in these coronavirus days, we can fully grasp the deadliness of a virus. And no matter how deadly this new virus is, nothing is more deadly than the virus of sin. But ironically, in this sublime parable of Jesus, of the prodigal son, sin is the easy part. Hitting rock bottom is the easy part. It is part of our nature. It is who we are. That is how we are born. It comes naturally. Like everyone around us, we are by nature rebellious, disobedient, unfaithful, disloyal prodigals. And it's all because of the virus of sin. That's why most of us identify in this parable with the prodigal son and not the elder brother. You're right, Jesus. We are by nature sinful and unclean. It's so easy being a sinner. And then we thank God for grace. We may not be to the point where we go on sinning that grace may abound, but we think that if we get this sin thing right, then all is right with God. It appears that the prodigal son hits rock bottom when he starts to eat pig food. He had to act quickly or he was gonna die. So he returns home to his merciful father and he was sorry for his sins. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But he would work off the debt he owed. So he adds this line. Make me as one of your hired workers. You see, the prodigal thought that he had it wired. Fess up that you're a sinner. Make a plan how to get back in the Father's employ and all will be right. I can save my life and save face at the same time. I'll work my way back on my own terms and I'll be okay. Sin is behind me. I'll show them all that I am worthy to be back. This is no confession at all. In fact, better to be a sinner, a prodigal, than a self-righteous younger brother whose repentance is merely an attempt to make himself right with his father 
by his own works, by his own effort. This so-called confession is where the prodigal hits rock bottom. He takes his place here alongside his elder brother and every Pharisee Jesus ever condemned for getting it all wrong, for not seeing the gift, the grace. Every day that the son was gone, the father would look down the road leading to his house, hoping that one day he would see his son coming home. And then it happened. While he was still afar off, the father saw his younger son. His mercy overflowed. He ran fell on his son's neck, showered him with kisses, and overwhelmed by grace, the son truly repents. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. No need to work off his debt. No need to be a hired servant. For it's all by grace, costly grace, the grace of the life of the Son of God in exchange for the life of the world. The prodigal who had turned into his self-righteous brother now sees pure grace from his father. Grace that only comes from a tree outside Jerusalem where the gift of life to the world was given by the shedding of the blood of Jesus, the very Son of God. At the cross, there is nothing for us to do but weep over our sins and our self-righteousness and rejoice in the gift. For Jesus died for sinners, for you, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's the grace. It's not up to you. For Jesus loves the prodigal so much that he is willing to give up his life for him. The grace of the Father was celebrated in a meal of the fattened calf in the presence of the community. It showed everyone that this younger son was received back as a son and not as a hired worker. So what does the father do? He dresses the prodigal as a son who has been restored. The familial kiss, that new robe of the new age of salvation, which is also the robe for Jesus' wedding feast, the ring of authority and the shoes of a free man. And Jesus uses the word sacrifice for the killing of the fatted calf. This is the word for sacrificing the Passover lamb. It is the word for Christ's sacrifice on the cross and for the apostolic church that first received these words. This is the language of Jesus' passion and the language of the Lord's Supper, where Christ, whose sacrifice on Golgotha was once and for all, is now the sacrifice on the altar for the people of God to eat and to drink. 
So the father tells the community, let us eat and make merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Dead and alive again. The old Adam of the prodigal, drowned by true repentance, overwhelmed by grace-filled waters that raise him up again as a son of the Father. And he didn't have to do a thing to be received back into the Father's house. Repentance matters. Forgiveness matters. Dying in the waters and rising with Christ matters, and so does the blood of the fatted calf. This is the heart of the mission. As Jesus said to Zacchaeus in Luke 19, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That is what we proclaim throughout the world as churches are planted for prodigals and elder brothers who have been infected with the virus of sin and the virus of self-righteousness. While you are still afar off, your merciful Father sees you, he runs to you, he falls on your neck, showers you with kisses, kills the fatted calf, shows you mercy and forgiveness at a feast that knows no end, even though you are his prodigals. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.